Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hope for Heroes, Texas. This is Brad Cornell, and we're serving those who serve us. If you haven't joined us before, Hope for Heroes, Texas, what we do is bring in first responders from around Texas. And yes, we bring them into the Bevy Hotel, give them a beautiful night at the Bevy Hotel. We give them a gift card to spend right here in Bernie, Texas, and they have an incredible time. And of course, it's all in the greeting. Well, on today's episode, we have got a fantastic first responder that's going to be sharing some great stories, because that's what we do here. Under the weight of the badge Glad you joined us You've seen it all and it's 15 well, ladies and gentlemen, my gosh, this is Brad Cornell, Hope for Heroes, Texas. Man, I'm fired up. Of course, I always want to thank George Strait for his song, The Weight of the Badge. And you know, I've got an incredible guest with me today. And you know, The Weight of the Badge that we don't realize is a lot heavier sometimes than we think. And sometimes, you know, I was I was talking to our guest about the weight of the badge on us. You know, when you call 911 and uh, you're waiting for a fire truck, you're waiting for an ambulance, you're waiting for a police officer, the weight of our badge or the weight on that is really heavy. You see him come around the corner. I mean to tell you, thank you, Jesus. It's now time. We have got some help. Stand back. We got it. We're starting to forget that in the United States today. It's about time we straighten up and start realizing that these men and women in law enforcement, fire, EMS, and the uh, the guys that carry and the ladies that carry the weight of the badge out there to help us, we need to start thanking them and realizing how blessed we are that they're there because without them, folks, I'll guarantee you, it's scary and you won't know till you call that nine. But I'm blessed today to have uh, a gentleman with me. You know, he's been on the been a, he's been in the firefighting business for 39 years. He takes care of he's responsible for our 200 square miles of protection here in Kendall County. Uh, he's been our police or fire chief, I should say. He could be police chief too if he wanted to. He could be our he's been our fire chief since 2020, September 2020. He's got two beautiful daughters, four grand children and he is just one of the nicest guys you'll ever want to meet and he is our fire chief right here in bernie texas and he has a degree in fire science now that's scary there is a science to the fire business you know we forget that he's a master firefighters instructor in wildland firefighting he's also a fire inspector i noticed when he came into the podcast room he's looking for fire problems and uh, so but uh i would like to welcome to the hope for heroes um way to the badge podcast again thank you george Strait. thank you Bubba for writing this song and uh, making it a special, special time. But I want to thank and just a wonderful guy that every time he comes to our, with the first of the month, you know, every Tuesday of the month, we have a lunch for all of our first responders here in Bernie, Texas, which you should do in your city. You need to do that. You guys... Every month, I don't care what city you're in, because I know you're listening all over the state of Texas, you need to have a lunch first, whatever it is of the month for all of your first responders. But he is a joy when he comes in. And of course, his team comes in of firefighters, a bunch of great guys. And uh, we're just honored and blessed today. And I want to welcome Ray Hacker, our fire chief in Bernie, Texas. Hello, Mr. Ray. Hello. Thank you, Brad. Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Enjoy being invited. Well, you bet you. Well, you know, you're always such a such a blessing and just such a great personality. And I know that you uh, you have a big job here in Bernie, being our fire chief. We've only had two fire chiefs in the last hundred years, <laughs> and you're the second one. <laughs> I mean, that's horsepower power right there, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I know that uh, that you know you've you've been dedicated. And I wanted just to you know the hope for heroes here. What we do on the way to the badge is just I like to people like to hear stories. Maybe how you got started and 
just, uh, you know, maybe a story or two about what it means to be a firefighter. Because we forget, you know, I know I talk a lot with police officers, of course, but fire by no means any less. I mean, you guys, without you, uh, we're in trouble. And EMS and fire and all you, you know, you carry the weight of that badge. So anyway, give me just kind of, how did you start in the firefighting business? Well, Brad, you know, it was really amazing, you know, when I actually graduated out of high school. I had really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do, but I had a good friend and he had some, some more friends that were, were in the fire department. And I kind of started hanging around with those guys and realized, boy, they really, really had a good camaraderie, you know, even when they were off duty, you know, they were friends. They, they went out and did stuff as families together, you know, so I went ahead and started pursuing that career, uh, but I didn't get in right away to the fire academy, and I'll have to be honest with you, I spent six weeks as a plumber um, uh, down at the coast and realized after six weeks, uh, plumbing is not for me. Although my, my older brother has a successful business in Austin, uh, I just realized plumbing wasn't for me, but, but the camaraderie, so I, I was finally accepted into fire school, uh, went through it, you know, and realized wow, what am I getting myself into? And my dad even told me at the time, he said, son, I'll, I'll, I'll send you to fire school, but you have to promise me one thing. If you don't like it, you don't do it because you're going to see things that most people don't see in their lifetime. And I said, yep, you're right. Uh, but it was something that, that grew on me when I started on August 16th, 1982 in New Braunfels. Um, I realized Wow, I didn't know that much. So I, I had a, <laughs> had a lot of growing to do uh, about the teamwork and the concept of firefighting and how best to to be good at it. You know, and that's the one thing I, I told myself. I, I just don't want to. I just don't want to do the job. I want to be good at it. And so through my career, I built myself up. Um, took a lot of classes and, and realized when I. You know, I, I promoted to engineer um, and, and then eventually to captain in the fire department. And a lot of my time as a captain is spent as an acting battalion chief, uh, responding when, when the battalion chief was off. Uh, so I, I learned a lot of things growing up in the fire department, and I've really enjoyed it. Yes, I've seen some tragic things. I, I've seen some, some, some incidents that you go, wow, you really thought that was a good idea? <laughs> Yeah, but I've been to some of those. I just didn't call the fire department. <laughs> yes, yeah. So it was it was really amazing. I've seen a lot of things. Have a lot of great friends that I worked with along throughout my career in New Braunfels and here in Bernie. You know, I've seen a lot retire. Um, but you know, there there are those calls that you remember. Yeah, you know, and and so I keep those in the back of my mind when I when I make decisions today in my current role. Uh, and I, I think back to a lot of those calls and the decision that was made and how I made those decisions. And, you know, and they're not always the popular decisions in, in some cases, but but it's been great. I, I've really enjoyed it. You know, you mentioned earlier the, the fire department, the guys here in Bernie, the staff, the officers are just great personnel. To have. They really are. And uh, I love working with them. I enjoy their talents. Uh, they all have unique skills, not necessarily in the fire department, but you know who to who to pull from when you need something done. Yeah. So they are they are great to have around. Uh, they're really dependable, and we you know when we get those calls in the week on the weekends and the evenings and stuff like that. You look for those guys to start showing up too because that's what we're relying on. You know, we have about twenty volunteer firefighters, slightly over that I guess right now. 
Uh, but volunteerism isn't what it used to be, you know, and it's, it's hard for people to get away. You know, used to, you could, you could lock your doors, your business or somebody else would cover for you yeah. and you could come to the fire station. It's not that easy anymore. So we have a lot of people that come in, but we, we don't have, um, in some instances, a lot of turnout. Sometimes it takes a while for people to get away from work. So we really rely on on the off-duty personnel, you know, if they're available and, and come in. But we rely also on mutual aid. You know, we have a total of seven departments in the county. So when we have something going on and we realize we need help, we start pulling from them and even some out of Bear County if we have to with Leon Springs and Gray Force. So. Wow. Well, the one thing I've noticed about the fire, the first of all, it's, it is a science. Yes. It really is. It's, it really is amazing. We think about it. I mean, even I was always amazed because uh, I'm from Lake Tahoe area. Okay. And when there's fires and up in Redding and all over the, you know, California is terrible with fires. Um, and they light a backfire. Right. I mean, you know, that was the first thing I went, okay, what's the deal here? You light a backfire to put the other fire out. I remember telling somebody they, they had a kitchen fire. I said, we just light the bedroom on fire. It'll meet in the middle. And you know, sucker will go out. <laughs> But, but I mean, when you talk about fire science, and and the one thing I realized about the firefighters, because I have some smoke jumping, smoke jumper buddies, okay. um, in in Lake Tahoe, and um, it's a team effort, though. Oh, absolutely. I think firefighting is probably more of a team effort than anything, isn't it? In the in the uh, in the business you're in, yes, a- absolutely. You know, like law enforcement, those guys and men and women, they go out and they deal with a lot of incidents individually mm-hmm. uh and then if they need help then they call their backup but in the fire department we rely on every team member because if one person gets credit for any for a save or anything like that you have to realize it's the whole team doing their job and every, everybody performing as one yeah. in order to get that credit except so, you have so many different skills huh it's like yes you, know, you need these four or five guys that have they'd have these different skills. That's what's really amazing about it. And, and, you know, when, when kids or college or whatever want to get into the firefighting business, it really is exciting when you think about it because you could have a certain skill set and that really is important. Right. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, Right now on TV, there's a couple of, couple of fire department shows that are on and people watch that and they, and they, ask questions about well, how realistic is that? And I said, well, you know, the, the station life, a lot of that is pre- pretty spot on. Yeah. Uh, but the actual firefighting, now, when you go into some of those situations, you can't see your hand in front of your face. You're relying on, on the advancement and equipment. You know, we used to go in there blind, and now we have thermal cameras where we can go in. We can see where the fire is at. We can, we can actually pick up uh, a rescue or anything. So we, we can do a lot of things today that we couldn't do 10, 15 years ago. Uh, so it's really amazing. But to add to what you were mentioning, as far as the teamwork, you know, everybody has a position and everybody has to function at that position. You know? And it's always amazing because typically every firefighter wants to be on the nozzle, but you can't put every firefighter on the nozzle <laughs> yeah. to put the fire out. There's other positions or other tasks that have to be done. So it's really amazing and trying to keep that coordinated, you know, and I don't make every call, but but, you know, I do come in uh, on calls, so sometimes uh, the command structure is already established, and then I step in, you know, and have it have it actually passed over to me or passed on to me, and I continue with that, so then the officers can, can actually start doing their roles. And so it's really amazing how, how everything comes together in the end to make sure that everybody's taken care of, care of. you know, it, it's... You know, you never want to see a firefighter hurt or no. or injured, killed. Um, 
at knock on wood, I haven't ha- I had an opportunity or seen a couple of firefighters injured, but but nothing severe. And, and I hope I can end my career and never and, and and still state that. Well, that's that teamwork of taking care of each other, watching each other's back, and knowing when something's going to collapse. I guess or oh, absolutely, or whatever. Yes, you know? yeah. Up in um, I think it was up in Canada, they just lost a firefighter due in a collapse. So, yeah, you know, hindsight, you know, you you put people in situations and you're, you even start questioning yourself. Okay, do we are we doing the right thing right now? And and sometimes you have to make those tough decisions and people don't understand, well, why'd you pull everybody out? Well, there there was potential, you know, yeah. and, I, and I'd rather pull them out and have them safe than, than end up under a bunch of uh, rubble from a collapse or anything. Oh, yeah. So sometimes those decisions are tough. Um, well, they're always tough, and you want to be successful. But you know, there there are times when you pull up on a call and you go, and you know, we're not going to save anything here. Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, we have to face that situation. And it's not because of anything. It was just maybe travel distance, the, the time of the fire, the reporting, uh, how soon it was reported, and our travel distance. So it it's always one of those things that's in the back of your mind that you want to wa- watch out for your personnel. I guess in the you back know. of your mind, too. I think in the back of your mind, it's got to be, we can rebuild that. We can't rebuild dead. Yeah, you're absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, to be honest, I mean, yes. it's like, you're going to rebuild that structure. And yeah, you've lost a lot of incredible things, but that's yeah, just stuff. Right. And, you know, life right. is, a, is a serious business. Do you right. have a lot? How many calls do we have a year, say, been burning? Because this place is growing. Yeah, you're right. You know, I just mentioned this other night at our award ceremony. Um, last year in 2020, we, we finished with just under 1,400 calls, 1,393. And this year, uh, we're on mark to break 2,000 calls for this year. Wow. So that's quite a jump from back when, when we first started with paid staff and we were running four to 500 calls a year. Uh, but like you just said, you know, the population has increased. We're building homes everywhere. Uh, so, you know, the fire department's trying to keep up with it, and, and we're having to make some decisions here in the near future of how we're going to uh, add more personnel, look at new stations, and, and adding adding those stations. so Yeah, I can see where we need new stations because that's going right. right down the middle of Main Street. Right. Probably just, so, you know, I mean. So that's that's all what we're, what yeah. we're talking about right now. We're going to have a meeting in, in January with council uh, and start working on, on those types of uh, situations, see how we can best deal with those. But, but yes, we, with the call volume going up, you know, right now we have two shifts that are operating with six personnel and one that's working with five, mm. you know. So that, that sounds great, but, in an actual fire situation, like a house fire, you need a minimum of fourteen people. Wow! You know, you know, yeah. and that's the that's just looking at all the standards that that we try to meet. You know, with four on an engine, you know, four on a ladder truck and stuff like that. So, and we're relying on the off-duty members, the volunteer members to come in and provide all, all those resources. And sometimes that's hard to get, yeah. again, depending on the time now, of day. Do you have anything to do with EMS, EMT? I mean, do, do you do any we, of that? We, we do that. All firefighters in the state of Texas that are certified are required to have an EMS certification, whether okay. it be EMT basic, EMT advanced, or a paramedic. Uh, so, But do we, they dispatch we, out of your office? They or- 
they dispatch from the police department. Okay. Okay. And, and in the fire department, we're, we're considered first responders. So if something comes up and EMS is delayed, we can go on those calls or dispatch on those calls. In some cases, the calls require us to go uh, because of the type of situation. So we get dispatched medical calls as well. Um, but we do, a, we do a lot with EMS. You know, they're, they're a good partnership with us. And so we don't actually provide the transport, Brad, but but we actually do first respond and we do a lot of lift assist, you mm. know, to keep EMS in, in the station available for emergency yeah. calls. So, yeah, it's a partnership with them and we really enjoy working with them and they're a great organization. Um, so, yes, we, we do do have EMS, but it's not actual. We do not provide the training. Okay, I see. You know, and I know that, I see, you've been a firefighter for 39 years. That's a long time. And um, has there been some of that time with your family? I know you've got two beautiful daughters and your wife and you, the weight of the badge got a little bit heavy where you start thinking, maybe I should bail out of this thing and go uh, back to plumbing? <laughs> no, not that. But. Well, you know, th- there were a couple occasions where, where I took some stuff personally, uh, met some challenges, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. But, you know, after I sat back and really thought about it and thought, no, I really enjoy what I'm doing. You know, maybe the call didn't go as I anticipated. Maybe the outcome wasn't favorable. But but I still enjoy doing what I'm doing, and, yeah. and I did my job, and I'm proud of what I did, and, you know, I can't be, you know, the, people ask us sometimes, they're like, man, you, you're expected to make 100% right right decisions with zero percent of yeah uh, of knowing what that what the outcome is going to be you know and people expect that you know so and it's very hard you try to make those right decisions but sometimes there's a lot of unknowns yeah and so when you go into these situations you're you're not real sure you know i've been in house fires you know with fatalities i've been in flood events uh you That's right. It. You were involved in the big the big flood down in New Braunfels, weren't you? Yes, in 1998, I was involved in that. I I actually was getting off duty that morning before I ever got out of town. One one of my buddies called me and said, "Hey, you can't get home." I said, "What do you mean I can't get home?" He said, uh, "Bolverdi's flooded." And I said, "You kidding me?" And I went back to the station. We started making calls, and basically, I worked that next 24 hours. Um, and I, I think we finally slowed down around four o'clock in the morning. Wow! And we just all collapsed on concrete <laughs> floors in the training room wherever we could, and got a couple hours of rest. And but the water was receding, but we had a lot of people in. It was a major disaster. You know, there were a lot of fatalities that year. You know, and it was just one of those one of those incidents that happened because there were a couple of of hurricanes that came out of the Pacific. As I recall it, and that's what led led to the flooding. It, it, it actually collided over the hill country with the cold front mm. out of the north, and that's it set up all the conditions. And I think, if I recall correctly, twenty plus inches of rain, twenty four yeah, inches of rain, something like that, it was yeah. just crazy. Well, that's one thing I've I've realized about all of our first responders: police, fire, EMS. You guys, just because it's like okay, it's five o'clock, I'm out of here. If there's a call that comes in at four fifty nine. 
you guys don't say, well, hey, I'm out of here. It might be another 10 hours before you even get home. I mean, you're committed. Yes. The commitment that you guys have and it is more than anybody ever knows. You know, I've been blessed to be able to ride with a lot of our police officers here in Bernie and just kind of see what they do. And you guys deal with so much more things than we even dream of. And like TV is one thing, you know, it's always right. the, and I, I do believe that's probably, I could see you guys all just from your team, all your guys, I can see y'all living there for 24 hours or as long as you stand to being sarcastic and some great stuff back and <laughs> shooting at each other. I love that, the way you go back and forth. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you know, you guys uh, you guys really are a team and you do some amazing things. What would you like, Ray, the public to know how we can help or we can, I mean, just what would make it easier if they did, they did get a call on you guys to make the call, you know, to right. get there? Well, you, you know, uh, I see this all the time, Brad, you know, and... And when people hear hear siren, see lights, you know, they'll they'll pull over for the first unit and, and not realize there's second and third units coming in behind them, so they'll pull right back out mm. into the roadway. You know, so just be just be aware to the public, just be aware of if one emergency vehicle goes by, make sure and look in your rearview mirror because there there could be more coming. And that that's one thing, and that and that's pretty simple. But you know the 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 growth of the city and the county. You know, we're, like you said, we're covering two hundred square miles, and you know our personnel we're, we're limited. You know, and and we're realizing the department's going to have to grow, and for that growth to 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 come become true, you know, we're going to have to look at at adding fire stations and, and, and more personnel. You know, and that's one thing. I, a lot of people that move here from from out of town. Uh, come in here and they they think when they call nine one one they're you know they're going to have multiple pieces of apparatus show up and it's like no nah, we, we <laughs> run out of one station right now yeah so, you know it, it's just a lot of the unknowns that people don't factor in when when they move here it's a great community everybody loves coming here it's highly regarded the school district highly regarded so a lot of people move here and don't realize what the limitations are. And I don't want to say limitations in the sense that we, we can't do it. It's just some people expect a lot more um, apparatus and, and personnel-wise than what we can provide. Yeah. So, you know, making those, those individuals aware of where we're at and also how we're trying to develop because it's, it's, a, it's a slow process. Well, you know, and I was really amazed. And when I say amazed, it wasn't, it was, we, it was, I was on a call with one of the officers and it was a, it was a, it was actually a medical, it would have been a medical call, but the GPS, they couldn't find the house yes. because of, it wasn't GPSed out over there. And I think something else, that, and finally, I was sitting there thinking, why don't you come out of the house and at least try to say, hey, I'm, so finally, like after 10 minutes, some, the lady came out and was waving because she was way back in the, you know, and so I think that if people, you know, folks, if you're out in the stick somewhere, if you're out in, in Sisterdale or Bernie or whatever, mark your house good too, especially a rancher, put something out there. You hear the siren, you know, all these addresses and they're kind of messed up too. <laughs> I can see where be, has somebody come out and say, I mean, yes. if there's smoke, obviously you guys know, but I mean, you you do so many different calls, Ray, and and uh, to have you as a leader of this fire department is a true blessing to this city. Well, thank you. You've uh, always treated Hope for Heroes with such respect, and your guys have always been fantastic. And I just, I just want you to know: is there anything that you'd like the public to know since no, we're wrapping this thing up? No, don't, Brad. Just Hope for Heroes is an amazing story, and I I truly love what you're doing and what you've brought personnel or people into to to make their life a little bit easier. 
Um, it's always a, uh, an honor to, to see you on Tuesday at lunchtime and see other individuals from out of town. You know, and I think it's such a worthy cause. So I appreciate what you're doing. Um, as far as the fire department, you know, we, we support that. We, we understand it, you know, and sometimes our personnel get in those situations where they need a little, a little help too. Sure. So we watch out for one another. Uh, we try to take care of one another. And we always always monitor and make sure because we know those calls happen that 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 weigh on people. And what what's amazing in the fire service, emergency services, what bothers you one day may not bother you the next day. You know, so it's not just uh, after the call's over, we're done. Yeah. You know? So we have to we have to monitor that. So uh, one thing that's become very aware to the to the fire service is mental health. Yes. You know, years ago that right. it wasn't. You know, it was more of a, well, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen type attitude. And nowadays, you realize that, no, you can't do that anymore. You have to take care of the individual. So there's a lot of good counseling out there. You know, we hope that individuals don't need it. But there are going to be those circumstances that we have no control over sure. and that we have to deal with. You know, I heard a statistic the other day, in fact, from an officer. Uh, I was telling you about Ken Cassidy. And he said most people, a, a lifetime of a regular person will have two tragedies big time in their life, say, in the whole lifetime. Right. But a firefighter, EMS, and say police average 400 in their lifetime. That's well, amazing. that plays some, you know, when you see some of the death you see, some of the things you see, I mean, it's just, we don't even realize, you know, if it's especially fire, you guys are, I mean, you know, once the officer gets there, says, secures the scene and they leave, and now you got to deal with all this stuff. And I, I just, you're absolutely right. And that's why we pray so much for the, for our first responders. And, you know, we're, we really try to be a ministry. And this next year, we're even doing more and more. You know, folks, and that's all. If you go to HopeForHeroesTX.org and you can give, this is all through donations, the only way that we do this. And uh, we've been blessed that people donate and we're going to uh, start expanding what we do with the fire and EMS. We kind of start off with the officers just because of what the defunding and all the things that have happened. But, right. you know, I wanted to start with you, Ray, because you are such a, a pinnacle of what's going on and you're such a good guy and your guys are so great. And I just don't ever want you to think that um, we think any less of fire than we do anybody else. No, no. I I appreciate everything you've done for us, Brad. I look forward to working with you in the future. Uh, You know, it's it's the emergency service always amazing because, you know, if fire and police, we can can spar with one another. But I tell you what, if it comes down to to the end, it's a team concept and and we're here for the same thing. So we'll give uh, one another a hard time. But I did do a lot of fire training and stuff younger and they, they thought that the only thing I was really good at was working the siren. So if you need <laughs> if you need anybody, the siren guy, I'm the guy. I'll do the siren and scream out the window, get the heck out of the way. <laughs> so if you want me to. If I need that position, I'll definitely reach out to You're you. You're a good man. God bless you, Ray. Thank you for coming on Hope for Heroes and, and thank you for carrying the weight of the badge. And You're let welcome. your guys know that we appreciate them big time too. I definitely will, Brad. Thank you very much. Thank you. I do it for us. Under the weight of the past 
Hey folks, wow, I hope you enjoyed that. It's amazing what these men and women do as they carry the weight of the badge. And we sometimes forget how incredible they are, but they're called to do what they do. So you know what? When you see one, give them a wave, give them a smile. Things are tough out there for all of us sometimes. So take some time for yourself. Spend a little time in church and with your family. And uh, thank you for joining us today on Hope for Heroes, Texas. And y'all have a wonderful, wonderful uh, Christmas also, okay? 2022 is going to be incredible. Hug your family. Love them. And live in fearlessness. Don't be afraid of all these things that are going on. God never wanted us to be in fear. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on Hope for Heroes, Texas.